0: Well, welcome to Advent, first Sunday of Advent, and uh, thank Chris for reading that first entry to us today and leading us in that. The booklets are there in the back. I hope you got one. If you didn't, there are some booklets also to by the back uh, front door over there as well, and uh, pick one up on your way out uh, and and uh, just be able to join in with this uh, Advent season as we continue on. And I, I always like to Give a little explanation about Advent. So, because uh, I've, I've come across some people who they've said, I have, I have no idea what this meant. And so I just want to make sure that I explain it and that people understand what we are doing. Now, this might be just old hat to you, you understand this and, and all, but uh, maybe there might be something new that you might learn. But again, the word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival, or, or visit, and the Advent season begins four Sundays before Christmas and ends on Christmas Eve. So sometimes, like today, we, we venture into, into November, is usually the first Advent Sunday. Sometimes we have five of them because Christmas falls on a Sunday, and, and that's pretty special as well, too. The Advent commemorates the expectation and anticipation of, uh, of the Jews for a promised Messiah, And many times when Israel was under oppressive rule of other nations, they prayed and longed for the Messiah to come and establish the kingdom of God. And Israel longed for a savior. And sadly, most expected a a political or, or nationalistic type of savior to save them from the government, oppressing them. Jesus came. He didn't come to establish a physical earthly kingdom, but he came to establish the kingdom of God in the hearts of people. Set them free from the rule and power of sin and death. We might expect sometimes that Jesus might deliver us from one thing when he's saying, I'm coming to deliver you from your sin and give you abundant life. But the Advent season reminds us that we need a Savior. I trust that in these Sundays to come, we will be reminded of that and, and be so grateful and thankful that we have a Savior. Our hearts need Jesus to come make us new. And Advent celebrates that Jesus came. And not only did Jesus come, but he is coming again. Don't forget that and anticipate that as well too. The Advent season also, it reminds us to be prepared and expectant and hopeful for the second coming of Jesus as well. So this is a kind of a a dual purpose of Advent. Jesus came, but He's coming again, be ready, be prepared, be expectant. God is a good God, and God is an active God, and and He longs to be known, especially to us. And He is the Lord who hears the hearts and cries of His people and makes Himself known through His Son. But just as God sent His Son to live among us, He also sent us as well ourselves to proclaim and share the truth of what is to come we are his messengers we are the ones to let people know what this is all about not just the trees not the gifts not the lights and and all that not even maybe the family gatherings but about Jesus and his coming and what he has provided this Christmas season I hope that uh, those around you will be drawn toward Christ and his love As you go proclaiming the one who is sent. And during these Advent Sundays, we're going to discover Jesus as sent in a few different ways. Today, we're going to be looking at Jesus as the coming Lord sent to claim his crown as king. The following Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus as the coming deliverer sent to, to, to reclaim his people from exile. And then uh, that following Sunday on, uh, I think it's the 12th, is Jesus as the coming messenger sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. And then on our final Advent, we're going to see Jesus as the coming Christ sent to exclaim the good news. All these things we can learn from and be ready to put into practice. In Isaiah chapter 64, the first nine verses I'm going to read to you. And we will will look at these for today in our first Advent Sunday. Isaiah chapter 64, uh, starting with verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since the ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when, we con- but when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and, the leaf- and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. We'll end there at verse 9. I remember as a young kid, when we moved here to Milwaukee from Portland, my stepfather and my mom found a house in an uh, area near Linwood Elementary School. Lived in the neighborhood there and got there when I was starting third grade. Going through elementary school, made some good friends, had some good times, enjoyed a lot of fun uh sports together Uh, enjoyed throwing a ball whatever it would be baseball football basketball whatever it is some kind of ball and uh kick a ball soccer whatever and have fun with my friends in our yard well i remember then later on in in like sixth grade or so uh, my stepfather my mom thought it would be good for me and my stepsister to have chores around the house be good to do some of the things because they both worked they couldn't take care of stuff. And so when we would come home from school, we were expected to do some chores. And so there would be a, a list of chores on the dining room table as we came home. And we would see that. And so when we saw that, we knew we needed to get them done before we did anything else. But man, there were there were my friends would come by. We I was able to walk home from school. We we lived so close. And so I would invite a friend on over after school and we would want to play, but there was that list of chores. Now they were divided up, my stepsister would do some, I would do some as well too. But uh, we were expected to have those done before we did anything else. There were days where I gambled and thought, maybe I can do some fun stuff first, play with my friends and then, uh, you know, we can have some fun there and then I'll do the chores before my mom and stepdad get home. Well, um, sometimes that would work. <laughs> sometimes it didn't. And uh, when, I, when I tried to do some other stuff and just have some fun, um, thought I'd leave myself enough time to get, get some fun in and then do the chores, <clears throat> I would be surprised when my mom would come home, and, and unexpectedly, and, go, and I would be going, oh no. And try to get stuff done, and and of course, pay the consequences of that. But uh, they would often not be happy if they came, if, if they got home to find out that I completely neglected to do a single thing on the chore list. And uh, my my day from there on was not fun at all. But were my were my parents against playing or having fun? No, they they wanted me to have fun. Of course, they were against my neglecting to obey and show my love and faithfulness in that way. They were against my my being irresponsible with my time. Do what you should be doing first. They were against my being unprepared. I was not ready for them to come home. In Mark chapter 13, you could... Look at that later. I'm not going to read it all. Verses 24 through 37. You can glance at that and kind of read through it as well, too, if you want. But in that portion of Scripture, Jesus talks about his second coming. He says things about the day and the hour being unknown. But we, his followers, should be waiting and watching. Always prepared for his coming again. And the two questions we must ask ourselves are, are we ready? And how can we be ready? Are we ready and how can we be ready? And just as we are waiting and watching for Jesus' second coming, there was a time when God's people, the Israelites, were waiting and watching for His first coming. In Isaiah chapter 64, we find a prayer given by people who are desperately longing for God to come and intervene in their circumstances. The Israelites longed for, prayed for, they hoped for the Messiah to come and establish justice and and end the, the oppression and usher in the kingdom of God in this world. But the coming of God's justice is cause to recognize our own contribution to the sin and evil in our world. We contribute to that. Repentance is a key characteristic of being ready for the coming of Christ the Lord. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Are we ready? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. This is the plea of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 64, verse 1. Rend the heavens, almost like it was like a cloth, and just rip it straight apart, and that Jesus would come down. How how often have have our hearts prayed for that for that same thing? How often have we longed for God to break into this broken world and set right the wrongs, right? Especially when we watch the news and we see other things, when we read other reports and stuff that's going on in this world, we wonder how long, Lord. (laughs) How long are you going to wait? How often have we yearned to see Him come down and claim His crown as rightful King, to bring the chaos of our times under His reign of peace? And we are in a lot of chaos these days. But remember, as you read your Bible, it's not going to get much better. It's going to get worse. So don't be surprised, but anticipate the coming of Jesus, because He's coming back. You will be here. Be ready. But we've all prayed that prayer. Come and make it right, Lord. Look what's on the news, Lord. Make that right. I can't believe people are thinking that is right. And very often we look at something we go, that's wrong. But people are saying, no, that's right. And things are flipped around. And we want God to come. And turn things back the way it should be. At Advent, we, want, we, we are reminded, as we pray, you know, step in and do something about this mess. <laughs> At Advent, Jesus is sent as the answer to that prayer. But the mess we see isn't necessarily the mess Jesus comes to clean up. We may see the mess all around us and on news and everything else, or maybe in our neighborhood, and we're going, there's the mess, Lord. This is what I'm talking about. Can you please, please take care of this? And then God is going, "Um, maybe, sure, but what about you? (laughs) I'm concerned about you. How's your relationship with me? How are you doing in all this mess around you? And so we need to expect that maybe the the mess that we see and we want Jesus to come clean up isn't really the mess that Jesus is coming to to clean up. (laughs) He sees another mess, maybe in us. And we need to be open to that. Be ready for Jesus to say, yeah, that is messy, but what about you? (laughs) How can we help you with this? Jesus is sent as the coming Lord. And in sending Him, there are are three things that happen because of it. Let me share those things with you as we look at Isaiah chapter 64. In those first three verses of Isaiah chapter 64, we see in sending Jesus, God comes down. God comes down. There's a cry for help that we see in those first three verses. The people of God are crying out to God for... To, to, to come down, to intervene in the world, specifically in their circumstances. The Israelites ask God to come to their aid in a way that celebrates His mighty works in the Exodus, reminding God of that, and come, and come, you know, come down and, and do this because of what you've done before. And the language uh, used is, is that God would intervene in such a way that their oppressors would be terrified and know the Lord. When we cry for God to intervene, we need to orient our hearts in such a way that we are seeking His name to be glorified, not ours. We're seeking that God would also be known in those people's lives as well. Maybe there's, there, there are people you have in mind that, you know, God come and just take care of those people, terrify those oppressors, knock them alongside the head, Lord. With some sense. But also, though, I trust that our prayer would be, Lord, help them know you. <laughs> they need a relationship with you. They need to open up their eyes and realize there's a Savior that calls their name. So if you have a certain group of people or, or a certain particular person in mind, maybe <laughs> family members, maybe in the political arena, Maybe somewhere in the neighborhood, whatever it is, at the workplace. Yeah, you're probably going to be praying, Lord, take them down. (laughs) But maybe you should also be orienting your your expectation, your heart in a way of saying, Lord, help them. Help them see what they're missing. Help them realize (laughs) that you call their name. They need to hear it and see their need for you. It's not about us, it's about God and what He can do, and for His glory in all of this. Advent is a season of intentional waiting, longing for the arrival of the promised Messiah. And As we enter into this waiting, we recall the longing of humanity for a Savior, the longing of Israel for the true King, and the longing of every heart for healing. And it's amazing to think about the mystery of how God fulfilled this longing by opening up the heavens and coming down to us himself through Jesus, the incarnation. God becomes flesh and lives among us. He steps into creation, into our brokenness, and enters our pain. Whatever you're going through, he knows about it. He's been there. He feels it. He felt it. And this is the thrill of Advent. In sending Jesus, God comes down. Just try to wrap your mind around that for a bit. Emmanuel, God with us. A second thing we see here in sending Jesus is that God reveals himself. God reveals himself. Throughout history, God has revealed his will to his people. He shows us his heart and character through the beauty of creation. As we see seasons change and the leaves turning red and orange, and we're we're drawn to the beauty of the color that's all around us. And then from winter, if we ever get any snow, the beauty of, of the snow just out there, as long as you don't have to drive in it. <laughs> the soft falling of snow down on the ground, and all of that. The seasons change into spring and seeing the greenery come out and the flowers begin to burst forth, the beauty of that as well, too. If you've ever gone on a hike, you also, too, realize... beauty of creation, and then you're drawn to God and saying, hallelujah, (laughs) glory to you, God, for for, for providing this. He shows us His heart and His character through all of that, through the covenants and the law as well, and the the tent and the temple, the miraculous acts of power, and the powerful words of, of prophets, but now in Advent... He does the unthinkable. He shows us Himself. He does that. Do you want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. Do you want to know how He acts? Look to Jesus. Do you want to know how He loves? Look to Jesus. That's why we are followers of Jesus, so we can become more like Him, become in that relationship deeper with God. Since ancient times, Isaiah says, no eye has seen any God besides you, in verse 4. Yet not even the prophet himself could have anticipated this hope. In sending Jesus, God reveals himself like never before. (laughs) Jesus is the full revelation of God's character, his will, his heart. He's God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. In sending Jesus, God reveals himself. And then thirdly, in sending Jesus, God restores us. God restores us. It's stirring and and thrilling to recall the hope of Advent. We think about that. Maybe as you put up the Christmas tree and put up other decorations in your house and get out the manger scene and everything else, you're reminded of this time of year that Jesus came to us. Jesus was sent to us. God coming down revealing himself in the flesh. But in verses 5 through 9 of Isaiah 64, Isaiah reminds us with real clarity why we needed Advent in the first place. In verses 5 through 7, there's uh, the recognition of sin. (laughs) Recognizing, yeah, we are sinners. As Israel celebrates the, the mighty acts of the Lord in the past, how He protected them and intervened on their behalf, they became aware of their sin and their unfaithfulness. God has been faithful, but they have not. Our slavery to sin our persistent failure, our our, our disobedience, all continued to condemn us. Even our righteous acts, he says, are like filthy rags. Verse 6, we all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. The confession is is one of complete humility. We, We are nothing without God in our lives. We are nothing without that relationship with His Son, Jesus. <laughs> Israel recognizes the complete helplessness of their situation, and they confess before Him. Jesus sent to restore us. And then verses 8 and 9, there is a, there's a plea for grace. Because of their sin, God... God has hidden His face from His people. They have become captive not only as an exiled people, but they are captive to their sin. Even their righteous acts are filthy and unclean and repulsive. Sin has so disrupted their relationship with God that apathy has settled in. In Verse 7 it says, no one calls on your name. You wonder how history kind of repeats itself sometimes anybody calls on his name anymore and Isaiah then prays in verse 9 do not be angry beyond measure O Lord do not remember our sins forever oh look on us we pray for we are all your people they don't deserve God's favor or grace or intervention at all but because he is their God because he is their father they seek mercy on the basis of God's character And not on their worthiness. And I think that is a good pattern for us as well. That we seek God's grace and mercy because of who He is. Not of who we are. Not that we're worthy of any of that. In Jesus, we see that God is set on answering this prayer through restoration and healing. He comes down and reveals Himself, all for the purpose of restoring us and our relationship with Him. If you read the Bible, first three chapters pretty much begins with how wonderful it is. (laughs) And then after that, it's all about how God is restoring us to Himself. And that is the story that continues on even through these days. This is Advent. Our, our, our hearts are weighed down with gratitude, I, I, I trust. That we are so thankful that we have a Savior that prepares the way for us to heaven. <laughs> Out of our history and brokenness, Jesus crafts a future of restoration for us. He has provided that for us. Like the Israelites, we long for God to make things right. We desire for justice. We desire for mercy, love, to be embraced in our world. Sometimes we even desire for God to do it in dramatic ways. Lord, we'd like to see some fireworks on this one. But Jesus was sent to us, and in the most dramatic and meaningful of ways, he paid for our freedom. He laid down his life for ours. We have all sinned. Even on our best day, we do not compare it to the holiness of God. Advent reminds us that we need a Savior because we have participated in the rebellion against God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And repentance is the only way we can respond to Jesus' display of love getting on our knees, and repenting. Repentance is the way we can get our hearts ready for the coming of Christ as well. Repentance simply means to to turn or change directions, and we need to turn from sin. Sometimes turning to God means turning away from something that may not be intrinsically bad. Sometimes turning to God means turning to Him for advice instead of going to people instead of going to our friends. Because sometimes friends, they might be yes people <laughs> in our lives. But I trust that you got some people in your life that will go, nah, you're wrong. <laughs> Stop it and help us realize what's going on. We need to be turning to God for, for our identity instead of relying on our abilities. We need to be turning to to Him for fulfillment instead of pursuing money and possessions. And that's a good thing to remember, especially during this time of year when we're going shopping for all those Christmas gifts. But In order to be prepared for Jesus' coming, we must turn to God and seek Him wholeheartedly. Not just 90%, not just 99%. It needs to be wholeheartedly. All in. All in. So, will you turn from your sin? Will you run towards Jesus? Because during this Advent season, God will be calling you to that if you have not yet done that. Will you prepare your heart for Him to make make His home there? Will you turn to God instead of turning to earthly and physical things for satisfaction. Jesus needs to be the one. (laughs) And during this Advent season, we could be reminded, reminded of that. Some of you need to embrace Jesus as king in your life. You have him as savior, but is he king and lord of your life? As we begin this journey to the manger, prepare your heart as his throne. If you open up your heart, allow Jesus to take up residence in a way where he has not before. Open up all those rooms in your heart for him, leaving nothing closed up. This Advent season is going to be pretty special for you. And pray that in this season, many will be drawn to the king and be restored to him through the witness and ministry of you and our church. That God would use you to bring his love to others around you. Because of the sin-broken reality of our world, we often find ourselves crying out for God to do something, <laughs> to intervene, set things right again. We want him to reveal himself and bring the scattered loss back to his heart. In Advent, God does exactly just that. In sending Jesus, God comes down, God reveals himself, and God restores us. He doesn't only send a sign, doesn't send a message, doesn't send a servant. He sends his son, Jesus, to claim his crown as rightful king. Is he king of your life? Is he lord of your life? Trust he is. If he isn't, maybe the Holy Spirit's tapping on your shoulder today and saying, he needs to be. Is he savior of your life? Do you know him as Savior? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, what a great way to begin Advent. (laughs) To receive him as Savior of your life. So that this time of year would be more than just the the, the lights and Christmas trees and presents. This year will be a year where you realize Jesus has come down earth for me, providing a way for me to get to heaven. And he wants to be your Savior. If you haven't received Him as Savior, today is the day of salvation for you. And you're just a prayer away. Praying, agreeing that, yes, I am a sinner, as you say, and I need you as my Savior. Please come in and clean up my life. Take away the sin and help me to walk in your ways. Simple as that. And there's so many people who get hung up on how simple it is (laughs) to receive Him as Savior. It's already been done. We don't have to do anything. The work has already been done. We just need to receive the gift. If you need to pray that prayer, I trust that you will be prompted to do that. If you need to pray that, God, help me me to leave room in my my life, in the rooms of my heart, for you to be Lord and King of my life. You call the shots. I follow you wholeheartedly that's your prayer today I trust that the Holy Spirit's prompting you in that way and guiding and directing you in that we're going to sing the last couple songs Chris and Becky are going to come back up along with Ron we'll lead you in some singing and if you need to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting in some way I trust that you will do so in obedience if you need to come to the altar altar is open here you can come pray or if you just need to pray there as well you can do that those who are online Same thing, prepare that altar right there for you and take a little time of prayer, committing yourself to Him. So as we sing these songs, I trust that it will draw us closer to Jesus.